0: So we're in a series called um, Servant-Hearted, Worshipping Warriors. And Pastor Teresa, I want to honour you tonight um, as a friend and a pastor in our house. You carry such a powerful, delightful, refreshing um, anointing. And we want to honour you because you labour for us in the Word of God. And you, you pray for us and the prophetic edge on your life just brings life. And as I was uh, preparing for tonight, I saw like, uh, like lasers coming out of your mouth. Um, laser beams of life as you share the word of God. It's like it penetrates to the exact pinpoint place. If anyone's hungry, they receive it. So I just want to honour you and delight in you. And let's give Pastor Teresa a thank you. So (laughs) she shared an amazing message this morning about this topic and you need to... Listen to it this week, Pastor John opened up this message about the wilderness test during Powerhouse Conference and I've listened to the message again and again and it's so powerful, so impactful. It's a lifelong message because wilderness tests will be throughout our lives and I was thinking about it as um, we were worshipping together and how powerful our worship is together. And I was reminded of when I walked through the doors of a church like this um, 30 years ago in Melbourne. And I was so broken. Brendan and I were in a, a wilderness uh, season, and uh, for five years we had't previous to coming into this church, um, we hadn't been in church, and we had gone through um, a time of our marriage um, fell apart. And, you know, we've been together nearly um, 40, over 40 years now. But during when we first got married, it was all hell broke loose. No wonder. Because look at the fruit of being together in Christ. But um, I remember walking into a church like this and the worship had already begun. And I kind of slid into my seat, broken, bruised, wounded. Like, just like, God, are you here for us again? And this woman next to me was singing her lungs out. And I couldn't sing. I was so broken. I just cried and cried and wept and wept and slunk down in my seat. And then I was on my knees. But her worship, her worshipful worrying—not worrying, not worrying, worrying, washed over me. So I just want, this is just before my message. I want to give you a mini message don't let the enemy contain your soul. I don't care how good the sound comes out or how not good it comes out. It's all about the heart. And if we're hungering after God, we're going to give him our whole self and it can't be contained. The enemy wants to put you a lid on you and contain you. But The beautiful thing is in these moments together, you can bust out of that and give God all the glory. And not only are you setting yourself free in those moments, you also have no idea what's happening around you in the atmosphere for the person in this room. Okay, because not everybody comes through those doors like, yay, I can't wait to be in church. Some people come in absolutely torn, broken, and in their wilderness, and it's life-giving being here with you. Amen? Okay, so we'll all go through seasons of the wilderness. It's a place that will challenge us, and um, I believe the enemy's plan for those wildernesses is for you to drop your trust and faith in God. He wants you to doubt the power of God because sometimes you don't feel God through the wilderness. Sometimes the circumstances are so hard that it's like, where are you, God? But the test, the test is, will you hang on? Will I hang on to my faith through those times? It's often Um, a manifestation of temptation during those times, spiritual attack. It can involve financial difficulties, emotional drought. Having a wilderness test isn't necessarily a sign that a believer is sinning, but rather a time of God-ordained testing. And so, Pastor John's definition of the wilderness test is this, God-ordained seasons you go through to prepare you for God's purpose and promises. So the wilderness is a, it's a place of beauty. It's a place where are you going to find the water in the drought? The living water is Jesus. The living water is Jesus, and he never runs dry. Our well within us is filled to overflowing. But I look back in the Old Testament in um, Deuteronomy, when the Israelites were going through the literal wilderness for 40 years, and I was thinking about it. Listen to this scripture, Deuteronomy 8, verse 2. It says, "'You shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years,' in the wilderness. And the reason is the same for us today, to humble you and to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments. So a wilderness takes you through the place of what's in my heart. What We're singing you are good and it's easy to do that together when we're going through a, a, an okay time. But when things get tough, when we're empty and alone and sickness hits or financial difficulty hits, are we still singing, you are good? You are good. And that's the test. Look at the Message Bible. It's quite long, but I'm going to read it. Remember, every road that God led you on for those 40 years, Israelites, in the wilderness, pushing you to your limits. Sometimes we feel that, I'm pushed to my limit. If one more thing happens... I don't know if I'm going to make it. Ever been there? Yeah. Yeah. Testing you so that he would know what you were made of, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He put you through hard times. He made you go hungry. Then he fed you with manna, something neither you nor your parents knew anything about. So you would learn that men and women don't live by bread alone. But we live by every word that comes out of God's mouth. Your clothes didn't wear out. 40 years, their clothes didn't wear out. Their shoes didn't wear out. Their feet didn't blister those 40 years. You learned deep in your heart that God disciplines those um, uh, in the same way a father disciplines his child. Nobody likes discipline. No, amen. (laughs) That's paisley. (laughs) The wilderness test is a blessing in disguise. We've just got to navigate through it God's way. All right. So the question is, will I still be a servant-hearted worshipping warrior through my wilderness test? So, number one, being a servant-hearted person. And my example is Jesus himself. If we can follow Jesus and his example of how he loved and served people, he did the ultimate cost, the price of his own life. He's not asking us to die on a cross for others. He did that sacrificially so that we could be saved from our sin. Matthew twenty twenty-eight. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served... to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. If you're here tonight and you've given your life to Jesus Christ, then the question isn't, will we serve him? It's like, how do I follow him better? How do I become a better follower and a disciple of Jesus Christ? And that is the pursuit of our lives. We serve God firstly for his purpose, for his cause, through His will, through His ways and His acts of service. And God's greatest, Jesus' greatest example is humility. He served through humility. Look at Philippians 2, 5 to 7. In the Amplified it says, Let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Let Him be the example in humility who although being essentially one with God and in the form of God possessing the fullness of attrib- his attributes which made God God did not think this equally with God equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained but stripped himself of all privilege- privileges and dignity so as to assume the guise of a what Servant, a slave, in that he became like men and was born a human being. And after he had appeared to, in human form, he abased and humbled himself still further and carried his obedience to the extreme of death, even the death of the cross. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Oh, Jesus, thank you. So, why do I rant? What about me? Why do I rant so often? I want, I want, I want. What about me? It isn't fair. Oh, I mean, that's our human nature, right? I want. And God is a God who delights himself in giving us the desires of our heart. But when our desires don't line up with what he wants for us, then it's like back to the cross, Back to surrender. God, I surrender. What do you want for me? And service is exactly what he's asking of us. Will we serve him? Yes, serving in the house of God. Serving in the house of God is how I learned to grow and get strong in the Lord. Serving alongside people, like hearted, like minded people. But service doesn't stop here, and it actually starts when we walk out the door. It starts when we walk out the door. You know, um, chaplaincy has been a life changer for me and I never looked for this job when when COVID hit, the reinvention of ourselves. God changed me and rearranged me and opened a door. And when I sit with the students and I've seen about 160 of them one and one, just them sharing their hearts with me, and the tissue box is right there. And they're like, Miss, why are you crying? And I'm like, this is called compassion. And it's something that is real. And our service can involve every sphere of our lives. Whether you're a student studying for your future, serve others while you are pursuing your goals. Don't be so consumed with your study and your career and your pathway that you don't see. Jesus saw people. He saw them. He heard their cry. He reached out for them. He didn't not do anything. He was an action man. Be an action woman and and man of God. Um, You might be a tradie or an apprentice. Serve others while you work. Show Jesus if you have a business, be excellent, be honest, serve your team and your staff and go the extra mile. Be kind, give out words of encouragement. I know that the crowders do this so well. Be Jesus, be Jesus. Married couples, serve one another. Look for ways to make life better for your spouse. And I hear my husband up the back shout Thank you. <laughs> He's praying for me, right. Parents, your life is not your own. Do you realize that? When you have a child, your life is no longer your own. It's spending your life. That's the good news. They are a gift. Your children are a gift from God, right? they will and even when they leave home they will still be your children and funnily enough they'll come back to visit and they'll do all sorts of things will happen on the journey of parenthood but serve your children serve each other as parents and model that love for one another create opportunities for the word of god to be taught in real practical ways for your kids pastors including pastor john and danielle i know they'll listen to this message Pastors, we bless you. We bless you, Pastor Josh. We bless you, Pastor Rod and, and Sharon and the our youth leaders over here. Um, Isaac and Joel. We bless the leadership cat for the for the looking after the children. We bless, the, we bless you for loving us and serving us with gladness. You serve us with I know we, we're pains in the butt sometimes as sheep, but. Pastors serve Jesus and they serve us with gladness. We want to delight their souls, right? Preachers, teachers, prophets, thank you for laboring in the word to bring fresh bread and revelation from heaven. Evangelists, I'm not just talking about people on the platform, right? I'm talking about those of you who go out there and witness and share Jesus. Evangelists, bless you for going after the lost and bringing the gospel of hope to people. Department leaders in the house of God, staff, the serving volunteers, be strengthened as you serve others in this house. Jesus sees everything and he's the one we serve, right? Group leaders, thank you for going the extra mile to show love to God's people. Come on, service looks all sorts of different ways. Service is not one way. Service is looking at people the way Jesus does and connecting them to him. All right, that's serving. Number two, worshipping warriors. Can you worship God through the wilderness as you go through the wilderness? You know, when I was thinking about the Israelites going through the wilderness... I had a revelation as I was thinking about them. Do you know, they were so traumatised because we think, oh, they grumbled, they complained. They didn't, you know, those that went out didn't even make it. Some, they died in the wilderness. A whole generation had to be risen up. But I thought about them as human beings. They were in slavery for 40, 400 years to the Egyptians. When they, they saw the miracles of God but they still doubt it. We're the same. We grumble. We complain when things don't happen quick enough or we don't see the miracle or where are you, God? And he's like, I'm testing you. I've got great things for you. If you just hang on, don't let the enemy take and rob from you. So they were traumatized. And in our ministry time, I actually want to, because the Holy Spirit said to me, Jesus is coming as the deliverer tonight. Not a delivery of mail, but a deliverer, the deliverer. What, is his, what does he do? He actually lifts and removes burdens and the anointing destroys bondages. And he's going to do that for traumatized people tonight. He's going to do it. He's done it for me. I've been traumatised by lots of things. I was sexually abused as a child. He's going to lift some of you out of that memory and out of that pain. He did it for me. He continues to do it, but the memory of it is gone. Like, I'm healed. I've been made whole. But there's also a process of what Jesus wants to do while you're going through. And as a worshipper, a worshipper isn't a singer. A worshipper is somebody who hears and obeys. When the, the Israelites went out to the wilderness, the scripture says that they went because God said he wanted to meet them there and he wanted them to worship him in the wilderness. And he's saying the same thing to us. Will you worship me in a wilderness? You might be sitting there tonight going, I'm all good, I'm all good, Kathy. And that's wonderful. I've been in those times too. But when it hits the fan, that's when the test is on. Our songs of praise, our songs of worship need to be intimate. Jesus said, The Father is seeking those that would worship Him in spirit and in truth, in reality. God's looking for real worship. We're talking about hunger for God. We're talking about revival. Revival. We are in revival as in personal revival. If I can let my, my love and passion touch somebody else, then that's going to bring life. I remember Pastor Corey, when he was here, I was on the, was on the stage and he prayed for me and he said, you're a carrier of revival. And I tell you, the attack that came after that, to make me doubt that I had anything to offer, and that's the lie. So to be a worshipper, when we're in true worship, touching the Father's heart, revealing our love for Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and He empowers us. And what about warriors? Warriors face battles and win wars through faith and love. Our whole existence is to love the world. Our whole existence as believers is to love the lost, to love our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us. Our whole purpose is to display Jesus. Ephesians 6, 12, go back to the armour of God um, message. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, dark powers that are in the atmosphere against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. That's not in heaven. There are atmospheres in the heavenlies, the atmosphere. And the God of this world, little g, the devil, has assignments against us. But as we come before God in the authority that's in the name of Jesus... In the authority and wield our sword of the Spirit, take it up, the Word of God. It is our battle equipment to cut through the lies of the enemy and to bring out truth. Jesus was taken into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. So when you're in a wilderness, sometimes it's the Holy Spirit saying, hang on, I just want to grab your attention here. I want you to battle this in the spirit, because we're not wrestling against people. We're wrestling in the spiritual realm, bringing down principalities, things that are dark, and and God is with us. Put him in our mouth, put the word of God in our mouth. Our offensive weapon, our front footed weapon is the word of God. It's a sword of which we can live by and defeat the enemy. I knew the enemy wanted me out of the school because for the first term I was in there, I felt like I was so alone, like so alone. It was like going into another world. And the Holy Spirit said, I'm going to teach you in this feeling, in this moment when you can't preach Jesus. I'm going to give you another language for these students. I'm going to show you another way. I'm going to show you something that you've never had before. And so I just settled down, pedal, settled down, and he's shown me his glory and his goodness. And so, what would I do every morning? I put on the armor of God physically, talk about it, put on the shield, and get, get geared up. Walk through the walk through the gates of the school and say, "Everywhere I place my feet, I every where I go, I take the land. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world." So everywhere you go, everywhere you go, God is with you. Put the word of God in your mouth. Like this morning, Pastor Teresa unpacked it beautifully. Whatever you need for the moment, there is a scripture for you. There is something. I suffered from insomnia for since from April to about three weeks ago. And it was horrid if you've... I'll pray for you if you suffer from insomnia because it's torment. And I'm like, and I was still working and I still had to get up and go to school. And I'm like, is this ever going to stop? Is it ever going to stop? Am I, am I ever going to sleep again? And the Holy Spirit just said that scripture, um, for, uh, Psalm 4 verse 8, I will both lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. I've even got a pillowcase that a child made for me that he printed that scripture on and I put it under my pillow and it's the word of God and I'm sleeping. I'm sleeping through. So hands up if you suffer from insomnia. Hands up if you suffer. Could you just stand up? Okay, anyone that's having trouble sleeping? It may not be as dramatic or it might be even years and years and years of trouble sleeping. All right. People around those people standing up, can you put your hand on them? If you're a believer, come on, get out of your seat if you need to. We break it. Jesus' name. Oh, God, you say that you give the righteous sleep. You give the righteous sleep. We declare sweet sleep. We break the assignment of the enemy. We break those mindsets, the fear of going to sleep and not sleeping in Jesus' name. We release the presence and the power of God right here and right now in Jesus' name. We release it, we release it, we release it. Be free, be free in Jesus' name. Just say out of your mouth, thank you, Lord, for my sweet sleep. Thank you, Lord, for my sweet sleep. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you can take a seat. Thank you for helping pray, people. All right, so I'm going to open up. I'm going to open up the altar. I'm going to open up this moment.